All the sons and daughters at once thought that their poverty was at an end, and wanted to set out directly for the town. But their father, who was more prudent, begged them to wait a little, and though it was harvest time and he could ill be spared, determined to go himself first, to make inquiries. Only the youngest daughter had any doubt but that they would soon again be as rich as they were before or at least rich enough to live comfortably in some town where they would find amusement and gay companions once more. So they all loaded their father with commissions for jewels and dresses, which it would have taken a fortune to buy. Only Beauty, feeling sure it was of no use, did not ask for anything. Her father, noticing her silence, said, "'And what shall I bring you, Beauty?' The only thing I wish for is to see you come home safely, she answered. But this reply vexed her sisters, who fancied she was blaming them for having asked for such costly things. Her father, however, was pleased. But as he thought that at her age she certainly ought to like pretty presents, he told her to choose something. Well, dear father, she said, As you insist upon it, I beg that you will bring me a rose. I have not seen one since we came here, and I love them so much. So the merchant set out and reached the town as quickly as possible, but only to find that his former companions, believing him to be dead, had divided between them the goods which the ship had brought. And after six months of trouble and expense, he found himself as poor as when he started having been able to recover only just enough to pay the cost of his journey. To make matters worse, he was obliged to leave the town in the most terrible weather, so that by the time he was within a few leagues of his home, he was almost exhausted with cold and fatigue. Though he knew it would take some hours to get through the forest, he was so anxious to be at his journey's end that he resolved to go on. But night overtook him, and the deep snow and bitter frost made it impossible for his horse to carry him any further. Not a house was to be seen. The only shelter he could get was the hollow trunk of a great tree, and there he crouched all the night, which seemed to him the longest he had ever known. In spite of his weariness, the howling of the wolves kept him awake and even when at last the day broke, he was not much better off, for the falling snow had covered up every path, and he did not know which way to turn. At length he made out some sort of track, and though at the beginning it was so rough and slippery that he fell down more than once, it presently became easier, and led him into an avenue of trees which ended in a splendid castle. It seemed to the merchant very strange that no snow had fallen in the avenue, which was entirely composed of orange trees covered with flowers and fruit. When he reached the first court of the castle, he saw before him a flight of agate steps, and went up them and passed through several splendidly furnished rooms. The pleasant warmth of the air revived him, and he felt very hungry but there seemed to be nobody in all this vast and splendid palace whom he could ask to give him something to eat. 
deep silence reigned everywhere. And at last, tired of roaming through empty rooms and galleries, he stopped in a room smaller than the rest, where a clear fire was burning, and a couch was drawn up cozily close to it. Thinking that this must be prepared for someone who was expected, he sat down to wait till he should come, and very soon fell into a sweet sleep. When his extreme hunger wakened him after several hours, he was still alone. But a little table upon which was a good dinner had been drawn up close to him, and as he had eaten nothing for twenty-four hours, he lost no time in beginning his meal, hoping that he might soon have an opportunity of thanking his considerate entertainer, whoever it might be. But no one appeared, and even after another long...